Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. John chapter 3 verse 2. 1 John 3 chapter 3 verse 2. And also Revelation 1 and 7, Revelation 1 and 7. I'm going to speak here today uh, on the thought, see him as he is, see him as he is. Sometimes we, we look at people in a different light than what they actually are, and sometimes we even judge them on the fact that maybe first, I've always heard that first impressions or the lasting impressions. You ever heard that? I know that first impressions a lot of times sets the course of what people are thinking. And I don't think we need to live in a, having that pressure on us, but it is, it is something that we, we do have to consider. And, uh, but I think a lot of times the Lord judge, or people judge the Lord uh, on certain criteria that they need to really uh, get close to him, and then they can understand who he really is, what he is all about. Amen? So in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it reads, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now, when you look at that, I know this is talking about those that are the sons of God. And there are also scriptures that talk about that people that don't know him, that they will see him as he is. But in that first verse here, um, I know that the closer we get to God, the more we understand of God. And I know that this is the desire of God, this is the desire of pastor, that we continually walk toward him with our eyes upon him, learning more of him, learning more of his word, the teaching, the preaching, but not just in teaching and preaching, but for us to study the word, to to learn who he is. You've got to get into the word and read it and study it. And um, it's very difficult. I, I heard of a preacher, pastor, that, that uh, he's on a program where he reads the Bible through in a month time. Is that correct? How in the world could you read the Bible through in a month unless you, you just, you can't stop like we do and say, hey, there's something I want to study out. <laughs> you, you just got to keep reading and reading, but you can absorb it into your heart and life. But he's got something down that he's able to do that. And then, of course, he, and he tries to do that every month, read the word through. We got to absorb the word. So not just hearing preaching and teaching, but we got to study it, read it for ourselves. Can I hear a resounding amen? amen. Now, you just agreed to that. 
That's what amen means. Amen, yes. It means yes. So we can study and learn of who God is as much as we can, get as close to God as we can. But here's the thing. As this scripture says, when we get there and we see him or we realize him uh, as he is, we're going to learn a whole lot more about him when we get to heaven that we haven't learned here on earth. I don't know if you can fully comprehend everything about God, but we're going to strive for it. We're going to do our best upon this earth. But when we get there, there's going to be some things that are going to be totally amazing to all of us. I had heard Brother Reeves in some of the visions that he had seen of heaven uh, several years ago when he was uh, alive and ministering. Uh, he would talk about visions he saw of heaven and the colors of the flowers. and the, He said it was like colors that you have never seen before. It was, it, it, it was just sights in heaven that just, You've never you've saw you've seen some beautiful places and some beautiful things here upon this earth and nature, of course. But nothing compares to what it's going to be like in heaven. We're going to learn more about God when we get there. So there's a big learning experience to get into heaven. We're going to see Him as He is. I'm going to read that scripture again, First John three two, beloved. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, in this scripture, when he appears, comes back to this earth, uh, even in his coming, rapture of the church, or he comes back to the earth, uh, people are going to see him as he is. When we get there, we're going to see him as he is. Sometimes we look through clouds and fog trying to understand him, but pieces are coming together. The more you live for God, the more you study the word, the more you are, are in his presence and rubbing shoulders with him and building a relationship with him, and the more you understand. It just begins to come into focus. Uh, there's nothing worse than to look through a pair of binoculars and they'd be all fogged up. Uh, or look through binoculars and they're just not focused. Uh, you're trying to get a clear picture. I tell you what it does to me. If, I, if my glasses are not uh, the right prescription or, or something's not perfectly focused, I start getting a headache. Anybody experience that? Wears glasses. If it's not focused, I start getting a headache because things just don't work right and compute right in this brain somehow, somewhere. But I got to get into focus, and I got to get in focus with the Lord. That's what we are striving for, Landmark. We're we're moving closer. We're not there yet, and 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 I would say that until the Lord comes, we part this earth. We're not going to all be completely there yet, but we're striving to get more understanding of God, more relationship with God, so that we can see Him as He is. Amen. Revelation chapter one, verse seven. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. When he comes back to this earth, every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, those that crucified him, the Jewish people, the Hebrews that crucified him, they're going to see him also. 
They don't look at him as the Messiah. Although right now the Jews, the Jewish people, Israel, they are looking and praying every day for the coming of the Messiah. What's sad is they don't realize he's already here. He's already come, and they crucified him. So at that point when he comes, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth, not just, the, not just Israel, every person that is alive at that time upon this earth is going to see the Lord coming in the clouds. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. You see, it's, it's easy for us to condemn a person by the things that you hear other people say uh, about them. Sometimes people come to a judgment of someone. They've heard something. They don't really know them, but they come to a judgment about them because of some things maybe they've heard about them, things that have said. And maybe the person was having a bad day and all of a sudden they might have been short with somebody and it offended them. So then they begin to speak badly about them and then you hear those words and you catch the same opinion about them. But then there are times that, that when you finally are able to talk to them yourself and you begin to understand who they are, you begin to connect with them and talk to them and you realize they're, they're really not who everybody thought they were. And it, sometimes we can gather points of condemnation and judgment upon people by just hearing things that we hear. But until you get to know them personally, it's hard to judge their character, their likes and their dislikes. It's hard to, to judge them by just things you hear. Uh, that's the same thing like with today in the media. Uh, I don't believe everything that I hear. Um, I just kind of put it in file possibly. There's a file cabinet in my mind uh, and, and on the tab there I wrote possibly, maybe. And some things uh, can be moved to the file of fact when I find out for myself and some things are just stuck there in possibly, maybe. And sometimes those things end up in the trash <laughs> in, in file 13. So, um, so we, you know, a lot of times you hear things you might even see things, but you've you got to be cautious about that and not bring forth judgment until you know for yourself. So it's easy to do that. But until you truly know someone personally, it's hard to judge their character, their likes and dislikes, their motives, their heartfelt feelings. Uh, and it's really hard to understand conversations and come up with with a full understanding of what people are trying to say when you're texting. You know, when I'm talking to somebody, uh, you know, I, you know, you could see their reaction. You could see their tone of voice. When I'm talking to somebody, you can see their, their uh, eyes. Sometimes when people can't look you in the eye, maybe they're 
trying to pass something over on you. I've heard that before too. Maybe, uh, and I've also, and I've got this little theory uh, of one person that I know, and it's not not anybody that's even in church, but I've known them for years. And I always know that when they start talking to me and they start repeating whatever they're trying to say to me about three or four times, I know that they're lying. I just know it from past experience. Not anybody in church. Someone outside of the church would want to clarify that. But sometimes when you're texting and emailing, you just can't get the, the eye contact and the feel of what they're really actually saying. You know, you can, you can hear something, and, and there's been times I thought, whoa, what? Is that really what they're saying? Is that really what they're feeling? Until you talk to them, and it wasn't that at all. You've got to be cautious about these things. But, but here's the whole focus of what I'm trying to say here today. We've got to get to know people, but... Most important, we've got to get to know God to fully understand who he is, what he's all about. You've got to get close to him. As a church body, landmark, as a pastor, I feel like that God is wanting us to, to just keep our focus upon him. Walk toward him. Whatever it takes to get things cleared out of our lives, it's going to keep us from knowing totally who he is we got to clear those things out get focused get the fog cleared out get you know we got to get to a point where we understand who he is and what he's all about he I know there's a misconception about God that that when we do wrong he's always ready to whip us with a whip and beat us into submission well what do you do to your kids I've seen people that uh, in the past, you know, that, that have, like, when their kids would do something wrong, they would beat them, beat them. And the kids got to a point where they're so afraid of doing anything wrong, they would just live their life walking on the edge, but they would beat them. I, I've got friends I, I, growing up that their parents would beat them. Now, I've talked a lot about my parents whipping me, but it wasn't a beating <laughs> I felt like it at the time. I might have been a meeting, but, but it was a discipline. I needed it, and I'm thankful that they did it. I'm thankful now. I wasn't thankful then, but I, I'm thankful now. But it, it gave me an understanding. But I really knew their love for me. And at that time, I didn't understand. But now, I respect it. I respect it. I understand it. And I thank God that they just didn't let me go rampant and do whatever I wanted to do because the flesh would have just ran the whole time. I got friends that used to just run all over town. These guys were just young guys riding their bikes all over. We had a big town. It was a big city, but not like St. Louis or Kansas City, but it was a big city. But their parents didn't even know where they were at. But my parents wanted to know, and they covered me. And I thank the Lord for that. It's because I knew their love. I, I, I knew their love, and I knew their affection for me, and that was important, I, and it helped me understand it more. Larry D. Wright spoke these, he quoted these words, given half a chance, people often crawl out of the boxes into which we've reg- relegated them. Given half a chance, people often crawl out of the boxes into which we've relegated relegated them what that means is 
If we give people half a chance, even half a chance, sometimes people are not afraid to come out of the box and form relationships with us, friendships, which we all need, friendships. We've got to give people a chance and understand where they're coming from. What's, what's happened in their life to, to make them do the things that they're doing? Uh, we, we, don't know, we don't know all of everybody's circumstances, and we need to understand that. It was said by F.B. Meyer. He said, I believe um, who was once said that when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are two things we do not know. Actually, he adds a third at the end. But the first thing that we don't know about people, brothers or sisters that sin, or even someone outside the church, first, we do not know how hard he or she tried not to sin. We don't know that. We don't know how hard they've fought that. We don't know, we don't know how hard they've struggled with this battle and didn't want to sin, but yet they fell into sin. That's the first thing that we don't understand about the circumstances of people. But then the second thing is we don't know the power of the forces that assailed him or her. Powers of hell that was unleashed upon them. We don't, we don't know that circumstance and how difficult that it was and the fight that went on, the two things we understand. Now, the third thing that he added to that is he said, we also do not know what we would have done in the same circumstances. We don't understand what we would have done if we were faced with the exact same thing that they were faced with. So what we have to understand when, we, when we're reaching out to our brothers and sisters or even people outside of the church body, we've got to understand what kind of battle did they fight? What kind of struggle did they go through? And what would we have done in that situation? Would we have failed or would we have conquered? Maybe we would have conquered Hopefully we would have, but yet if we would have conquered in that situation, we've got to understand the scripture that says that we've got to pick those up that are down and lift them up and help them fight. Help them fight the battle. Because the Bible scripture goes on and says, because there will be a day that we will go through the time that we're going to need someone to pick us up. We've got to understand where people are coming from. Uh, I, I want to say this, that um, we don't, Pastor and, and Sister Burke, we, we want you, we welcome you to come and talk to us. And I know sometimes people don't talk to the pastor and pastor's wife because you don't want us to look down at you. I want to clarify something here. We never look down at you. You know what we do? We understand where you're coming from. We understand you've been through a battle. We're ready to fight with you. We don't look down at anybody. Matter of fact, we're all humans here. We've been through battles ourselves. We understand the fight. We understand the struggle. And we're here to help you. Don't ever feel like that you don't want pastors and 
and Sister Burke to, to hear your struggle because we're here to help you. I just want to clarify that. I felt that was important. But sometimes we, we judge people by certain criteria. Uh, in, a, in a book illustration, Bible Truth, H.A. Ironside pointed out about the folly of judging others. And he related an incident in the life of a man called Bishop Potter. Bishop Potter was getting on a big ship and he was going to ride across the ocean to Europe on this great transatlantic ocean liner. Um, and when he got aboard, they appointed him to a certain cabin in that ship. And he found out, as he put his things in the cabin, that in that cabin there was another man that was, they had assigned him to the same cabin to join with him because of the, the number of passengers that were on the ship. So he had to share this same cabin with him. His name uh, was Bishop Potter. I'm not sure of the other man's name. But when he, when he got on board and found out who the other passenger was, when he went in, seen the man, all of a sudden he began to judge him. And after going to see the accommodations he, he, and saw the situation, he went up what they called at that time the purser's desk, which they would take your valuables and they would put them in a lock and safe. And so he was judging this man and he was, a, he was fearful that this man would try to steal the valuables that he had. So after going, to the, uh, after going to the purser's desk, he inquired if he could leave his gold watch and other valuables in the ship's safe. And he explained that Ordinarily, he never availed himself of that privilege, but he had been to his cabin and he had met the man who was to occupy the other berth there. So he was judging, judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person because he really didn't know the man. This is the first time he ever met him. He just judged by the appearance. And the purser accepted the responsibility for the valuables of that gold watch and the other valuables that he had, he said, it's all right, Bishop. I'll be very glad to take care of them for you. The other man has been up here and left his valuable things for the same reason. Because he didn't trust you either. <laughs> you see, it's important to build relationships Build relationships. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this out here today and understanding people and understanding where they've come from and what their upbringing is and their situations of life, it gives us more of a, more of a compassion toward their life. You know, there's people that are struggling. It gives us more of a compassion for them to reach out to them and help them. But here is the main reason why I point these things out. It's because we don't fully know Jesus. We think we do. We think we understand who he is and what he stands for and what his motives are. We, we've heard a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching, and we've read a lot of word, and we've been in his presence, and we think we know everything about the Lord and how he's going to respond to certain situations, maybe other people or maybe to us. 
but we really don't know him fully until we continue to get close to him. I know a lot of people from a distance don't really know them until I begin to talk to them and begin to converse with them and find out what their feelings are about life. Then I can understand a little bit more about them. When I understand, and I don't need to know all the details about their past, but we all have been down a journey in our past and struggles. We've got battles that we've fought, maybe even in growing up. There's people that have been abused. There's people that have been sexually abused. There's people that have been verbally abused. There's people that have had examples of of terrible things that they've seen in their life growing up, and it began to try to form things in their thinking, in their heart. But we have to understand where people come from, but the only way to understand them fully is to build a relationship, a friendship with them, to be able to help them. And of course, in turn, they've been through the battlefields, and if they're victorious, they can help us because they know things that are going to be able to help us in life. The thing about it is a lot of times we think we fully understand Jesus, but we don't. His ways are far above our ways. And a lot of times we think Jesus is going to do things exactly the way we tell him he needs to do it. He doesn't. Why does God answer prayers quickly at times? And why does God answer prayers after about a month or six months or a year or five years? Why does he do that? I don't know. But the more I get closer to him, I understand his timing is right. His work is perfect. His plan is absolutely calculated out in perfection. (laughs) He knows everything about all things, from the past to the present to the future. He understands it all. So if all we look at it in a person is just a glance, we will not fully understand truly who they are. But it's the same thing with the Lord. If we, all we do is just glance at the Lord at times, we're not going to fully understand who he is. That's the reason why the Lord wants us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the house of the Lord, because there's something new and fresh we understand about God every time we come into the house of the Lord. Powerful things. Reputations have preceded people by false accusations, by by us or others. But it's the same thing with Jesus. There's some reputations that precede the Lord, that people have written him off, that he is not what they want. And there's reasons for that. There's reasons for that. Sometimes we judge people by who they hang out with. And some people judge the Lord by whom he hangs out with. Us. It's not a right reputation, or it's not a right judgment upon the Lord, but they do. Through the years, Jesus has been vilified. He's been slandered. He's been mocked. 
He's been maligned by people that don't truly know him. If they could only understand who he is. If they could only understand that relationship with God and the beauty of the Lord and his mercy and his grace. If they could only understand who the Lord is and what he desires for his people. God's desire is not for any of us to perish, but for all of us to come to repentance. Repentance. That's the desire of the Lord. He's got a plan, and it's a perfect plan. Acts 2.38 is a perfect plan. Holiness is a perfect plan. Serving the Lord is a perfect plan. The gospel message, it's a perfect plan. The cross, the blood, it's a perfect plan. And the list goes on and on. But he's been so maligned and vilified and slandered and mocked by people that don't even know him. Jesus has been judged by people as they look at the imperfections of his followers. God is not expecting us to be perfect. He knows we're human. But I do believe that God expects us to be repentant. Repentant when we do wrong. David, I believe the greatest part of his life, the reason why he was a man after God's own heart, he made mistakes. He failed miserably at times. But I believe he was a man after God's own heart because he was repentant. And he was on a mission and a journey to keep his eyes on the Lord and to walk toward him. To walk toward him. But many times Jesus is judged by his people. I know we are human. But I know when we make mistakes, it's not wrong to say I'm sorry. If we say we're a child of God and we're living a double life, this is a reflection on the Lord. It shouldn't be, but it is. Because a lot of people, if we're going to win souls, we're going to win the world, what people are looking at is if this salvation experience that you talk so great about is so great, then why isn't it working in you? Amen? Because I believe, according to the word, I believe that there are, and I've mentioned this before, but there are signs of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That sign is speaking in tongues. And it's a sign to the unbeliever that they have received the power of God's Spirit in their life. That is a sign. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we need to speak in another tongue. And it's not a one-time thing that happens at a certain date and you never do it again. It's something that you need to continue in to keep it fresh in your life. The power of the Holy Ghost. You need to speak in tongues. You need the power of God flowing in your prayer life and in your worship time. And, and that's important. But, but here's the thing. You, there's, other, there's other signs of the Holy Ghost. And I call them the fruits of the Spirit, or fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says. There are other signs. When you really have the Holy Ghost, you're going to bear fruit. 
you're going to bear fruit. And if you're not bearing the proper fruit, you need to go to an altar and repent again and get connected with God again until the Spirit of God flows through us so we can bear good fruit. Good fruit. We have uh, blackberry vines or whatever you call it. I don't know. Is it called vines? Blackberry vines? Bush? (laughs) That's probably a better word. It is a bush. And it's getting massive. We have to cut the thing back. But boy, we are getting such a harvest off of that. Uh, Every day we have to go out there. If If we miss a day, you go out there and you try to pull the ripe blackberries off the vine, they just kind of crush in your hand and just get black uh, blueberry sauce all over. I've even had it on my clothes. Whatever you call it, it's juice, it's sauce, it's whatever you want to call it. I mean blackberry, I'm sorry. Blackberry. Well, blueberry is the same thing. You ever wash your dentures in blueberry sauce? (laughs) They're going to be blue. You ever ate blueberries? Your lips are going to be blue. Well, blackberries are can be like the same thing. I just wonder what it, my intestines look like. They're probably blue. But blackberries are filling, I mean, it's filling that, that bush or that vine or whatever it is. And when I, uh, you go out there, I, I just know that that blackberry bush is not an apple tree. It's not a peach tree. It is not strawberry vines. It's blackberry bush. Because of the fruit that it bears. A true child of God is going to bear fruit, not just speaking in tongues, which that's a sign, but to also bear fruit. If we're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, then there's got to be some kind of an issue with the flesh or the carnal side of us that is stopping the flow in us. Keep yourself connected with the Lord because what I'm talking about here today is building a relationship with God. When we make a mistake, repent, turn around, work hard, go the opposite direction, get your eyes on God, keep walking with Him. Build a relationship with the Lord. Build a relationship with the Lord. Put the flesh under subjection. Because we need to know more about God. We need to understand more about God. But Jesus is judged a lot of times by us because we're his followers. And if and and it's we're just setting up for a perfect excuse for someone to use if if they don't want to come to church, they don't want to live for God. Well, his people are hypocrites. His people are look who they are. They didn't change. And that's a valid point. It really is a valid point to people that don't know God. It would have been a valid point to any of us if we're judging the Lord by his followers, if that was the case. So it's important for us to follow him and not live a double life, one way at church and one way outside of the church building, to get such an experience in God and such a close relationship with the Lord when temptation comes we overcome it. Not a double life. It's by choices. People will get to a point where they make choices to say, I'm going to live for 
God at church, but outside of the church, I'm going to live the way my flesh wants me to live, the way I, the carnal things, the, my desires of carnality. That's what I'm going to live outside, but I'm going to put on a great impression in front of people in the house of God. You know what? People know. People know. But to a repentant heart, someone that says, honestly, I'm sorry. People have a lot of forgiveness. They should anyway. People have a lot of forgiveness. And they understand that we're human. We're human. So how many have said that? If that is what living for God is, then I don't want anything to do with it. Valid point to the world. We don't want to give them excuses. But yet, on the same thought, they're judging the Lord by not the Lord. Because they don't know the Lord. How many have heard people say, don't want to go to church because there are too many hypocrites there. You know, they could use that as an excuse to live in sin. I do understand that. They can use that as an excuse, but but people don't look at it, the thought that, you know, these are human. What did they fight? What did they face? What did struggle did they go through? How were they raised? What, was, what are they fighting every day to get out of the fiber of their life that's been ingrained in there? But we've got to know the Lord more than we know him. Where we're at right now, every one of us, we might be Bible scholars. And I always tell uh, you know, you all, you are Bible scholars because you, you, I've heard some tremendous, tremendous translation of the word as we talk about the scripture and you are Bible scholars. But even if we get to the point where we are fully a Bible scholar, we still don't know enough about the Lord. We could know every, we could, we could quote the scriptures from front to back, quote them without even looking at the Bible. But we still need to learn more about God because there's so much more to learn about God. In Bible college, there was young men there in the, in the school and in the dorms that were, they memorized scripture after scripture after scripture. It was amazing how powerful their memory was. They could remember the scripture, but yet they still didn't know everything about God. But we're striving to learn more and more about the Lord. If you could ever just get to know Jesus and what really drives him and what really the motive behind his heart, his being, he created us not to fail. He created us to thrive and survive. Not just survive, let me put that word out. To thrive and to live and to be blessed and to enjoy life doesn't mean struggle doesn't come, but he, he made us with the plan to conquer, to get through the battles. Jesus was even tempted by Satan, and he overcame him by quoting the Scripture. Hmm. If we could ever really truly get to know the Lord, if you could find yourself close to him, where you could look into his eyes spiritually. If you could only get to him and, and, and you're not 
just hearing texts from the Lord or emails from the Lord. You're getting connected with him. When you get down and pray, there is a connection that is greater than the internet or picking up a phone and calling. It's a connection where you're looking him spiritually in the eye and you are looking into his heart and you could feel after his heartbeat. You could feel that. You, you feel his hand in your hand leading you, guiding you, strengthening you, loving you. When you pray, when you worship, when you praise him, when you walk in, and live for him, you're being led by the Lord. You look into his passions when you get close to the Lord. You see what he truly loves. You see how everything he did was for you and for me. You could see that. There is no greater love and mercy than his. There is no greater love than the Lord's. To go to a cross... To feel the pain. He did not have to do that. But when you flip it around the other side, he did have to do that. And the reason why I say he did have to do that, for one thing, is that's the only way we could be saved. Without the remission of uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. But there's a deeper thing to it there. The reason why he had to do it is because he loves us. And love is powerful. When you love, you have to do it. Not because anybody's forcing you to, but it's a driving force. The love of God. The love of God. And I'm going to close there. But there is a relationship that the Lord wants to give to us that's far beyond where we're at right now. It's far greater than where we're at right now. You have not fully attained, and I haven't either. We, we haven't completely received everything that God wants for us. And we haven't got totally a full understanding about who God is. But it's a process it's a life journey. It's a continually going back to the Word of God. Just to hear a little, there a little, just learning a little bit more about God, and the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together. Start understanding who God is. I can't survive as a child of God without the Word of God. I can't survive without the church. I can't survive without preaching. I can't survive without teaching. I can't survive without just digging into the word, word of God myself. I can't survive without those relationship times with the Lord. I need those. I need those times where I talk to him, and find out where he's at and what he's doing and find out what he wants me to do. And those times of relationship, powerful times of experience with God. See him as he is because there's going to be a time that he's going to reveal himself and everybody's going to see him as he is and those that have made themselves ready are going to rejoice but those all 
creation is going to see him as he is. Those that have made themselves ready are going to rejoice. Those that have not made themselves ready are going to have a very difficult time. Crying and weeping time. Where they wish they had known the Lord more. Amen. You see, the Lord, going back to the message I preached last Sunday, all he wants is just a relationship with us. All he wants is just for us to love him because it's, it's already a fact that he loves us. That's not even a question. And I know we love God, but when we get so much love in our heart for the Lord, it's going to it's going to motivate us to do whatever he desires for us to do in the word of God. I want to live holy. I want to walk holy. I want to live where I don't lead others down a pathway of temptation and sin. I don't want to do I want to live for God. I want to live the way God wants me to live. I want to believe the truth. I want to know his word. I, I, I told my pastor when I got in the Church, when I first received the Holy Ghost, tell me everything I need to know. I want to know God. I want to know who he, I want to know what it takes to get closer to Him. I'm hungry, hungry for God. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today.